was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Welcome to Outcast Prophet Podcast. This is your host, Heath Meadows. Wishing everyone a Merry Christmas. That scene was from Actually Chosen. It always gets me a little choked up. That was Mary Magdalene describing what happened to her. I hope everyone's having a Merry Christmas and remind everyone that the reason for the season and in the hustle and bustle, sometimes we forget and why we are actually celebrating Christmas in the first place. I know the world's trying to do its best to eradicate Christ from Christmas and just making it a holiday where everybody celebrates and gives gifts, but it represents the greatest gift that was given to mankind, which is Christ himself, that we may have the opportunity to not just experience eternal life, but to be made different, to be made whole and complete, and to know what it really means to be truly human and in God's family, and for that we should all be rejoicing. In this particular episode, I'm going to be very short and to the point where I just I felt within the last couple of weeks, and I've sat on this for a while, that I just kept hearing the word lampstand in my spirit and from Revelation and the idea of that each church in the seven churches of the book of Revelation, if you're not familiar, each one is symbolized by a lampstand. And that lampstand is the actual power of the Holy Spirit that that church has for witnessing. And we're going to read a little bit about that here in a second. But that that word just kept coming up over and over in my spirit. And I I really tried to set on it for a while and press into the Lord and see what he was trying to say. And, you know, sometimes I don't ever want to fall into this category of the armchair prophet where we're not, you know, it's easy to sit back and criticize and point the finger and not be doing anything to make things different. And and those things that I've always criticized or sometimes seem critical of the church of is basically just what I would feel and what many feel are basic Christianity. It's the basics, discipleship and preaching the gospel and and not trying to intermingle things or, or trying to make the Word of God more palpable. Quite frankly, sometimes the Word of God needs to offend us. It needs to break through these ideations that we have of, you know, self-righteousness and justification for the way we are in our sins. You know, Jesus takes you where you're at, no matter how bad you are, how, how many sins you've committed, but he doesn't expect you to stay that way. There's a process that if you lean into him and you surrender and pick up your cross daily, that we transform into his image and the Holy Spirit empowers us to do just that. But we have to make the decision. There is a responsibility on our part to determine that that we're going to just yield to the process. And we see that in the Psalms as David cries out, search me, O Lord, to find anything in me that is not of you. That if there's any darkness in me, find it and and allow me to repent and get that thing out of me that I might be closer to you. And those things should be a Christian's daily prayer. 
And what I'm what I'm really discovering is that there is a remnant rising that are doing just that. And it's a wonderful thing. But this word is a word of warning. And what's coming in the next year or two, I know we've had shakings and things before, but I really feel there are some things coming in the church that are, are, are even more so because I don't believe the American church has fully awakened. In fact, it's tried to actually lull itself back to sleep in many ways and have forgotten the lessons that we've learned from COVID-19, the shutdowns and those things. And I think it's really sad that we have that going on in our past and, and just that quickly have forgotten the importance of what it means to gather together, the importance of, of uh, not going back to business as usual because that's what's got us in this mess to begin with. I, I still believe that many, many instances of the moral decay of our society has come from the church, the majority of the church being silent and trying to be seeker-friendly. And we have to stop out. We just have to preach what the Lord's told us to preach. That's not, it's really not up to us to determine if the message is too strong or not. It's up to us to determine if that message is actually from the Lord. And if it is, then we need to deliver it as the Lord wants us to. And not cutting corners and not making, you know, thinking that it's okay to, to, to kind of sugarcoat this a little bit so people can can swallow it. Now, sometimes it's just time to rip the Band-Aid off, and that's kind of what we do here. But a couple things came up with this as I was pressing into it. One, I believe many lampstands are going to shine brighter in the coming in the coming year, this coming year and the years to come, because those are the ones that are really pressing in and doing what the Lord's wanting them to do where he's going. And I think those lampstands, those churches that are doing that are going to see revival. They're going to see spiritual renewal and in, in places and just be healthy and places of refuge. And, and it's really what I have sensed for a long time. It's now on the doorstep where churches are going to understand what it means to be a family. I prophesied that like three or four years ago, and I really think it's it's coming to fruition now. There are things about to happen in, in the positive sense that is just wonderful in many churches. And I can I just want to encourage those churches that are are pushing in and, and pressing into discipleship and and reevaluating what it means to be a church based on the biblical standard and not the business model of the modern day church. I just want to encourage you to continue doing that. But what I feel very strongly is those that don't, those that want to return to business as usual, that don't want to speak up, that don't want to preach the you know, uncompromised word of, of the Lord, their lampstand is going to be removed. And so the power of their witness is not there. And in fact, it's already happened. That's why many churches, they may have a lot of people going to them, but you don't see any power. You see no movement of the Holy Spirit. You see the Holy Spirit not moving through the crowds whatsoever. And there's no room for him there. And so, therefore, they've lost their first love, as we're going to learn in Ephesians. And that first love does not necessarily have to do with Jesus or each other. In fact, many scholars now don't believe that that's what John's referring to at all. So the first thing I want to look at is in Matthew chapter 5, and this is all obviously from the Sermon on the Mount, and it's the uh, blessed statements and part of them. I want to back up to, but get to the area where Jesus starts talking about we're the salt of the earth. 
But let's just start, uh, blessed are, let's just start uh, chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are oppressed, persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter you all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, the first part of this is this. We're going to have the discernment, the gift of discernment, and just wisdom in itself is going to be really key and vital to, to getting through some of the things that are coming. I believe that the devil's money in the waters, and we have both false accusations and accusations. I've seen multiple accusations already this week. In fact, one accusation that just just happened uh, a day or two ago that made me to, to really just go ahead and give this word was concerning T.D. Jakes and some things that he may be involved in. And whether they're true or not, it doesn't make a difference. That's where wisdom comes in. That's where we don't jump ship or we don't make accusations until we know for sure that that's what's going on. We want we want the truth to come out, and we should be praying for discernment and the truth. I know Mike Bickle in that situation. I've said from the get go, you know, we should not be judge. We should not judge anything until we know for sure and let the investigation happen. Because I think right now, what the devil wants to do is muddy the waters, and he's going to bring up false accusations. He's going to bring up situations where it's your name's going to be it's going to be tried, and we're going to have to stand fast in that and use discernment and wisdom when it comes to whether or not accusations are true or false. Jesus says very clearly on air: if we're doing the if we're working righteousness, if we're we're in righteousness, if we're trying to do what God has called us to do, and not watering it down or sugarcoating it, we will be persecuted. We will have false accusations against us. And if those are false, then we can be rest assured that our reward is going to be great in heaven because of those things being false. So these teachers that are now being accused, preachers being accused, if those allegations are false, they're, they're you know, <laughs> the devil's just laying up treasures for them in heaven. What the devil is trying to do is get people discouraged. He's trying to get people to to just look at Christianity that are not Christians and say, you know, what's the point? They're they're just like us. And unfortunately, in many ways, that's a correct statement. So moving on, 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And that was kind of like Mary Magdalene there talking about how she was before and how she is now and what happened was him in the middle. And that's just a great, that's just a great line. But the whole idea of this lampstand is to shine. And that shining is for what? It says right here, it tells us what the lampstand's for. So we understand it as a witnessing tool to the nations. 
It is letting your light, your good works shine in order that our Father who is in heaven gets the glory. When we jump to Revelation, and he's talking to the, the church in Ephesus, he tells them, you've lost your first love. And many scholars from years back would say, well, that had to do with either they're not in love with Jesus or they've grown cold or they're not in love with each other. But what come when you, again, exe- correctly exegesis the scripture or, or exegetically look at the passage, you'll find out when dealing with lampstands, it has to do with a witness. The lampstand gives light to the world, which is a witness to those around you. So this love that Jesus is talking about is their love for him in the idea in the form of witnessing to their neighbors, witnessing to the world and pointing to him as their salvation. And I, one of the greatest scholars for the book of revelation is JK Beale. He's one of the foremost scholars in understanding how the old Testament is used in the new Testament. But this is what he says. He says, this is what is meant when Christ chastises them for having left their first love. The point is not primarily that they had lost their love for one another, as argued by most commentators, nor is it the point merely that they had lost their love for Christ in general. The idea is that no, they, they no longer express their former zealous love for Jesus by witnessing to him in the world. This is why Christ chooses to introduce himself as he does in verse 1, which is he is the one that walks among the lampstand. His statement that he walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, which are the seven churches, is intended to remind the introverted readers that their primary role in relation to their Lord should be that of a light of witness to the outside world. And that correlates and cross-references with the scripture I just read from you from the Sermon on the Mount, which is probably key to understanding the kingdom of God. The most significant sermon that Jesus did is the Sermon on the Mount. So when we, in the light of all this and understanding what is coming, Jesus tells them, if you don't correct this, I'm going to remove your lampstand. That lampstand signifies the authority and the power of the church and when it comes to the Holy Spirit empowering them to do the Great Commission. And so what then you have is a social club. You no longer have a church. You have a gathering of people in a community that typically just want to hear a TED Talk and become very introverted. You can tell, you can tell a church that's in danger of losing the lampstand by the fact that they don't do outreach within the community. If they're not doing outreach, their lampstand's in jeopardy. If they're not preaching the gospel and seeing lives changed and set free by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are in danger of losing your lampstand. You'll become nothing more than the church of the world. And what happens and what is happening is there's going to be a greater an even greater chasm between those uh, that have chosen to go the way of the world and the true church of Jesus Christ. That's going to become so apparent in the next days. And, well, it'll be apparent to those that know the word. If you don't know the word, you're not going to know the difference. That's key. And right now the Western church is in great danger because most Christians do not know the word because most churches have not done very well at discipleship. 
which is right now everybody should be focused on discipleship. We have dropped the ball on that so bad, and that's the one thing that's very clear. Your, your mission is the Great Commission. I don't care where your church is located at. I don't care what nation, what tribe you're from. Your mission is the Great Commission. How you, how you perform your mission, how you achieve that mission is the vision or the individual vision that God has given your church. It's really that simple. Yet we have these vision statements and different things that actually sound more like corporations that are, you know, pretty much just non-profit, a normal nonprofit that's just going and giving people stuff that they need. And I'm not saying that's necessarily bad. The church needs to make sure physical needs are met. But the most important thing is the spiritual needs and the spiritual, the spiritual well-being of people. It's a priority right now for churches anywhere to really focus on doing discipleship well. We don't need more churches in certain areas, for sure. We've got plenty of churches. We've got just a lot of them not doing what they're supposed to do. I do want to encourage the churches that maybe are struggling right now or trying to figure out their way to just continue to fast and pray for the Lord. Make this coming year a decisive year that you're going to turn some things around, look into discipleship, look into what the first century church model really is and how church is modeled in the kingdom and not by man. It's not too late. You can repent. You can continue to go forward and and really ask the Lord to stir something up in you and the congregation and to continue looking into what it means to actually be the church of Christ on the earth, the light shining on the hill, and what that entails. Until we talk again, God bless.